Welcome to the MILF Bod Podcast. Mindful, intuitive, lifestyle, fitness. An all-encompassing wellness resource for women featuring some of the most successful, influential mothers and experts out there. I'm your host, Cherokee Luker, mother, model, fitness trainer, and wellness enthusiast. Join me as we dive into all things MILF. I'm so honored to be joined by one of my midwives today, Johanna Story. I was lucky enough to have her present during the birth of Hunter, and she was a major component that I attribute my successful home birth to. Johanna has such a magical and healing spirit and gives a lot of credit to her ancestors for that. We go all over the place in this episode discussing Johanna's passion for birth work, placenta health, and the benefits of consuming placenta postpartum. Johanna's battle with a rare form of cancer as a child and how she was able to harness a beautiful perspective on life from that experience. And then Johanna gets really vulnerable and opens up about her five failed pregnancies and how she's been able to learn from each of them and is now blessed with a beautiful daughter named Samaya Adream. Johanna's energy is so strong and her spirituality is infectious. I think every person will be able to take away something valuable from this episode And I know you all are going to enjoy my conversation with the incredible Johanna Story, aka the Vagina Whisperer. Listen to find out why. All right, you guys, calling all creatives of LA or anyone traveling to the LA area in need of an event space, photo studio, content location, video space, production services, or grip services. Issue Studio is a unique photo, video, and event space, and Issue offers full-service production in an exclusive, intimate, and private boutique environment. The space is so beautifully curated, you guys, and I can't tell you how many shoots I've done at Issue that have turned out to be some of my favorite shoots to date. Not to mention a bunch of amazing events I've attended over the years where the studio gets completely transformed into the best atmosphere for the perfect party. Also, you guys, the wallpaper in the makeup room is absolutely iconic and it's perfect for the Instagram feed. So I highly recommend Issue Studio for any brand or any influencer looking to elevate their image. It is seriously the most beautiful studio I've ever shot at. And I've shot out a lot of studios here in LA and it's just so clean. It's centrally located. There's a huge parking lot, which is huge here in LA. So go check it out at issuephotostudio.com to find more details about how you can book this amazing space for your next photo shoot, video production, content creation, party, event, whatever it is that any of you creatives need here in LA, Issue Studio has got you. So go check it out. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I have been wanting to interview you for a long time. We haven't seen each other essentially since I gave Gave birth. birth. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very blessed to have you there present at my birth. And I didn't even know that when I started working with Abby. So it was kind of like this surprise that I didn't even know I was going to get. And I am so beyond thankful that you were there because your energy and just everything that you brought to the room was so important and so helpful for my birth. 
Well, I'm grateful to have been there and, you know, be a part of the support team. And it's part of it, especially when there's such a unique group yeah. and all of our energy mixed well. Yeah. It was really good. I felt like it was a great experience, especially on the journey of going into motherhood, how much support you need. Yes. It takes a village. It's so true when people say that. And so I was so happy to have you be there, part of my village. Thank you. <laughs> and I think we had only really met, like, I think you came to one of my prenatal visits, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was just so instantly like drawn towards you and your energy and just, it was just very comforting to have you there. I would love for you to kind of introduce yourself to the audience and tell me a little bit about yourself. I've been a birth worker between 19 and 20 years. Wow. My mom was a midwife. So that's how I kind of got into midwifery. I got sucked in at 17. Wow. But I saw, I think my first birth was probably about four. And you were four years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, because your mom. Yeah. Because my mom, because she worked at a birth center that was really busy. And sometimes we had to get up and go. Yeah. Kind of how my life feels like right now. Right. So I've been in the community in LA, the Valley for that long. Wow. That's incredible. And did you grow up? In Guatemala, or did you grow up here? No, I was born here. Both okay. my parents are Guatemalan. Okay. But um, I was born here in actually a birth center in Las Feliz. And I've gone back to Guatemala once. I plan to travel back because my dad lives there now. And so I kind of want to go to receive teachings from traditional birth workers in the Mayan community. Yeah, I feel like a lot of your knowledge and your like innate wisdom is definitely based a lot and you give a lot of credit to your ancestors and I love that so much because it's definitely in your blood oh yeah to do this type of work which is incredible it is definitely generational wisdom um comes from there my dad is recognized as an elder in the Guatemalan community Mm -hmm. he's also a healer my mom is a healer very much so although she doesn't do births anymore she's always told me she's like once you're taking your own mamas, I'll be happy to come join you in verse. And it just makes me feel so great. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And I hope that my daughter, who has been to births and prenatal visits, that she decides to join me in that, you yeah. know, this next steps of doing other generational midwifery. Yeah, I'm sure she will because she's being exposed at such a young age. So how old was she when she witnessed her first birth? I took her at nine months, my sister's wow. home birth. Do you remember when you were four years old witnessing your first birth? Yes. The birth rooms at the birth center that my mom was at, it had glass windows that were etched with like sand etched in them. So uh-huh. they're little borders of clear glass. Okay. And I remember peering into the room with just like being able to see the bed and I could see the mom's legs. But I saw as the baby came out, which was wow, pretty amazing. And I remember saying, what is it? It's a boy, it's a girl, what is it? Oh my God. I also stalked my mom all the time. Whenever she would go to a birth, I'd call her probably about 20 times. Just to keep an update? Well, what's happening? Yeah. Like, why is it taking so long? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so generally, she would get a lot of phone calls from us. Yeah. So you've basically known that you've wanted to be in this line of work since you were young, right? So as a child, definitely I wanted to be a part of birth. In the middle of teens, like probably between 15 and 17, mm-hmm. wasn't really my thing because now I understand we're definitely know what happens when people have babies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I did my first birth, it was more so out of necessity. I was working at the birth center over the summer to do like filing, you know, my summer job. Mm-hmm. 
And my mom was in a delivery and so was the other midwife. And she had another mom come in and she said, you need to go and check her. I'm like, what? (gasps) And she's like, you know how to do this. And I was like, okay. I literally was freaking out. I'm sure. Freaking out. Yeah. And sure enough, she wasn't in really active labor, but I was like, you have time. (laughs) And she's like, okay, great. And then little by little, it would be, you should just come and join the team. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Didn't know what dedication it took. And to my surprise, I was just like, okay, once you commit in this world of birth work, it is one of those things like where you can't just say, hey, I'll come and support you and then change your mind a week later. It's such a commitment. It is very much a commitment. And I've seen that over the years that some people wake up and think, hey, it's cool to hang out with babies and pregnant moms. But (laughs) it's a lot more work than that. It's, you know, you have to give parts of yourself. It is such a selfless act. It is. And then you see people in the most vulnerable places. Yeah. And you have to take that and say like, okay, it is, I hate to use the word sacred because sacred is used so loosely recently. Right. But it is a sacred place. It is, Um, yeah. And it's not somewhere where you share their experiences. Like, I don't share people's experiences until they have told their own story. Right. Because from my eyes, it's a different perspective. Of course, yeah. And you want someone to have their own feelings, their own emotions, and express it in their own ways. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. I give you so much credit. And Abby and just everybody in this line of work. What I love about it now that I'm more into the well-seasoned part of my career, I yeah. guess, <laughs> is that I've made relationships with people. I have maybe about a handful of midwives that I love working with, having be one of them. And then yeah. there's Jen, who is my midwife or my family's midwife, kind oh, of, okay. who I love and, and support. And then there are other midwives in the community that I help them at birth, but they're the sisterhood that I fall back on yeah. when I have intense moments, oh. when I have happy moments, I share it with both of them. And it's just such a great thing to have when you meet midwives, like you feel their energies and we just kind of melt together. It's like a sisterhood. It is, but it's also an unspoken language that we have. We right. have this deep trust in each other. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that part of this years of midwifery or just birth work. Yeah, has allowed me to have this relationships that I can fall back on just to like have someone else's ideas or just support. Definitely. Yeah. Kind of like birthing in the same sense. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to have that close network of people that you can trust and rely on. So your Instagram handle is the birth whisperer, (laughs) but word on the street is that you're also known as the vagina whisperer. Yes. <laughs> Came from a joke from a mom, but it's just kind of stuck with me. Yes. There is a, it comes from a unique way of waiting for babies to be born. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how it takes hard pushes to have a baby. Yeah. But to keep the integrity of um, your perineum. Yes. <laughs> and your vagina. You know, there's a place where you can pause and slow down the breath. And I think it's more so like looking for something instinctually. When you feel it, it's almost like a magnet. It pulls you and tells you like, this is the point to stop. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's an ancestral wisdom or something, but it's also a look. Like when I see a mom's bottom, I guess, Mm -hmm. you look for perfusion of blood. And when you hold your breath, you don't have that perfusion of blood. You have to breathe out and in and slow down, I guess, the crowning of baby's head and you can prevent tearing by significantly. 
I'm actually proud of that statistic. Last year, out of, I think, 50 home births, mm-hmm. only three tears. Wow. And not very big ones. Some of the situations were like inevitable right? with hands up or something like that. But right. outside of that, I was like, wow, this is great. That is amazing. And how do you facilitate that? Say a mom is in the birthing process. Do you kind of just tell her, okay, like now pause for a second and then. So I think a part of it is before we get to that point of baby's about to be born. Mm-hmm. I tell them like, there's going to be points where you have to push really hard. And then there's going to be a point. I really want you to listen to my voice and say, slow it down. Yeah. Which is, I'm going to tell you to breathe or blow. And when I say blow, I want you to blow like a million candles or visualize that you're blowing down with your breath, the wall. Right. And just want you to hear my voice. And so it's very much coaching in your face. Yeah. Kind of just getting the direct attention of a mom. Like, let's just quiet down the room and just listen to my voice. And that typically works. Wow. Yeah. I can't honestly remember what happened specifically with me because I know I hemorrhaged pretty severely. Mm-hmm. But I think I did end up tearing a little bit, but not too bad to the point where you guys needed to stitch me up or anything. I think a part of it was also you had been laboring for a while. And that yeah. also causes sometimes bleeding because what happens is that your uterus says, I worked really hard and mm-hmm. now I don't want to. Right. So after baby is born, our senses don't have the urgency to contract anymore. Right. So that sometimes contributes to bleeding. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I can't really remember the quite the details of Hunter's birth, but um, <laughs> I do remember it wasn't that bad. It wasn't a significant, and it was also partly because of the position of the head. Right. Yeah. And that when there is a wider or like sometimes the baby's head is a little tilted, mm-hmm. can expand the tissue right. a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, so you are known as the Vagina Whisperer. Yes, (laughs) that is such a good title to hold. It is. I would have took it as a Instagram handle, but it was already taken by somebody. Huge. I know. I was like, darn. Man, that would have been epic. It would have. But Um, that's okay. No, I like the Birth Whisperer. I like the Birth Whisperer too. Yeah, because on top of being a doula, you're also a midwife as well. Yes, I am a midwife. Not technically licensed in California just yet. I need to go through the, I have the to legalities go through the, the of the licensing process. And I am just on the cusp of doing that. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, with experience, you are very yes. much qualified as a midwife. I guess in um Guatemalan tradition, there is no title of that. Like you can't call a student person. You are either a midwife or you're not. Right. So I am a comadrona or comadrona. partera. Yeah. Okay. That is uh, in Spanish. And those are people who are midwives okay, and yeah. walk with women, but also in different ways. Like it can be the person catching your baby, but also the person helps you through pregnancy. Yeah. And you're also a placenta specialist as I well. Do. Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of different modalities that you use in birth work. So one of the things that you really like to focus on too is like using plant medicine, right? I do. I like herbs specifically for healing, mm-hmm. um, especially postpartum herbs. We don't balance our lives so much with herbs. We use pills. Right. There's a pill for that. I know. Pill for everything. Placenta, though, is one of those things like it is bioidentical to your body. It's Mm going to absorb much better and you're going to have much more relief in different ways. Placentas are just magical and all around like your baby's first home to your recovery. Yeah. Even just looking at a placenta, too, it literally looks like the tree of life. It does. Yeah. It does. And we were created for us to kind of like 
pay homage to that placenta, to just give it its proper honoring of its growing your baby, growing the hormones to help you facilitate that birth of the baby. Right. And then there are the herbs that I like to do with healing as far as like teas and things like that, that help. I try to balance using herbal blends for like PMS or Mm -hmm. PCOS, fibroids, or also to initiate labor. Like, okay, maybe we can do something where I have oils that are infused with herbs that will help. I do what's called a labor belly massage Mm -hmm. to kind of help facilitate contractions. Oh, wow. What does the oil consist of? It has borage oil, castor oil, and then it's infused with different herbs. It has calendula, arnica, Mm -hmm. and it's an herb that grows in Mexico. I don't know the name of it. Okay. <laughs> it was given to me by another midwife. And she says it only grows in the wet season. So it is kind of rare, but I have no idea what this name is. But <laughs> you just know it helps. I do know it helps. But actually, <laughs> when I worked in Las Vegas doing births, 99% of them were indigenous women okay. who immigrated to Nevada. And so a lot of them would take this tea that they would blend as soon as they had their first contraction. Mm-hmm. And it would spit out a baby. In probably less than an hour. Wow. It was insane. And it had this herb in it. It did. Okay. So that's where I received it from was from a midwife who worked with this community. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's in a different dialect. It's in, I think, Nahuatl, what they explain the name, but I can't even pronounce it or even remember exactly okay. how it's said. But it's an amazing herb. Wow. So I've had some that I've just been kind of incorporating into oils for a long time. That's great. Yeah. And the massage that I do is that Basically, it's kind of like stirring up trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want, let's get some contractions going. Mm-hmm. And I do a uterine massage, which massage is a nice way of saying it, but it's really to get deep into the tissue and the muscle and kind of cause contraction so that you can get a rhythmic thing going or even just moving baby around. Right. And sometimes, well, most of the time it does work. And you'll see people, or even if they stall in labor, it really is efficient to get things going. So cool. If you could give maybe three tips for facilitating like a healthy birth and a successful birth and a healthy pregnancy, what are some tips that you would give to our audience? The use of magnesium in Mm. pregnancy. Yeah. For me, magnesium is one of those things that it helps the elasticity of your skin. Mm -hmm. So it helps prevent tearing. It's a smooth muscle relaxer. So it does keep you from getting Charlie horses. Mm -hmm. And overall, at the end, it makes you feel good. It helps you sleep too. It does. It also keeps you um, regular. normal, regular. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Honestly, like it's almost too intense for me. Maybe I have to try a different brand though. Sometimes you do have to try a different brand or maybe more water okay. to your magnesium. Okay. Okay. So magnesium. Mm-hmm. Magnesium. The other is that part of the things that I do as a birth worker and with what moms that I work with is that I believe birth is emotional, it's very spiritual, and it's beautiful, but labor is mechanical. Babies have to do their own cardinal movements to be born. And you can facilitate that by movement and positioning and just knowledge or self-awareness of your baby's position. Mm, So in prenatals, like ask questions, especially if moms who are in the journey of hospital births or don't have someone who's with them, ask about what your baby's position is, what you can do for them. There's like Doing daily cacaos really makes a big difference. That's such a good tip. It is kind of one of those things like, it seems like you're doing nothing, but really what you're doing is you're facilitating your baby's head to rotate anterior and to kind of engage sooner. 
so that you start off in an advantage point. Yeah. So cat cows daily are my favorite. Okay. That's a really good tip. Especially in the morning because after you sleep, you're in a stagnant position. Right. So you want the most movement earlier on in the day than you do later on in the day. Okay. Yeah. And then just asking questions regardless of where your support is. When you're trying to achieve a birth natural or however you want, you want to make sure that your provider is not tolerant, but supportive. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, you just kind of like really want to ask the questions that you need to know. Ask them earlier on in pregnancy before it's too late. Right. I heard too that, for example, when somebody is in the room while somebody is laboring and giving birth, it's kind of preventative when there's someone there. Like energy is a very big thing when you're giving birth. Yes. And so, for example, like my mom was in the room. And as much as I loved having her there, I listened to a podcast after. And I can't remember the name of the midwife, but she was talking about to facilitate, not quicker, but just like a more successful birth, it's best to have people present in the room who you only feel comfortable having sex in front of, Yeah, essentially. And I think that, not to like place any blame on my mom, but I think that that was almost a factor that was like deterring me from achieving what I wanted. So do you think that there's um, some validity in that statement? Yeah. I've heard different um, ways of putting this that for every set of eyes that are in the room, add six hours to your labor. Oh my gosh. There's that or... Interesting. It's a hard part to be a mother and witness your child to have a birth. Right. Depending on especially how that mother birthed. Like right. what was their, was their support? I will use my mom as an example. I feel completely comfortable with my mom yeah. being in the room with me. The difference is that I needed my mom to be my mother not my midwife. Right. Because me and her have experienced such loss in my pregnancy journeys Mm. that I needed her to heal from it. Right. I didn't want her to worry about me or the baby. I wanted her to be my mom and enjoy that moment as a grandmother. Right. But her, totally. I feel like she's the person who kind of got me in the middle of transition to like really push out my baby. Wow. Was she able to kind of stay in that role or did she kind of take on the role as a midwife? I mean, we were in the hospital and she checked me when we were in the hospital. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. She's like, okay, baby is super low, but you're seven. And I was like, okay, okay, we're fine. Yeah. But when I needed her to be my mom, she was like, came through like a champ. But in terms of her, like I would totally, she birthed naturally. She has no questions to ask about natural birth. She didn't project any fears. One of the things she has told us, she's like, I thought you guys would be more dramatic. <laughs> Just... When she labored, she was very quiet. She didn't. But when we labored, I was a ball of emotions. Yeah. But it didn't inhibit me. I needed her there. Good. Other situations in births that I've seen is that moms tend to just kind of project their fears. Yeah. And again, if they're not all in and they're not the person that tells you like, yeah, you should have a home birth, maybe keep them in another room or tell them when the baby's there. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I love you, mom. It's not that I didn't (laughs) want you there. But yeah, I think, too, because you are in such a vulnerable state, you're so susceptible to everybody's energy in the room. Yeah. And if there's a one little slight thing that's off, it can kind of prevent you from getting to where you want. And I think that's kind of why mine took so long. 
I remember, I think, sitting next to her after your birth and, like, mm-hmm. just sitting there with her. And she's, like, kind of, like, sitting in this, like, feelings. It's a hard thing to witness. And I don't think right. it's a hard thing to witness your child becoming a mother. I think what it's hard is to, for anyone who loves somebody right. in the birthing process, it's hard to witness someone in so much intensity. Yes. And not take away that feeling from them. Right. And just, like, not being able to take it from them. Mothers especially, like, they don't want to see their child and it's suffer. Yeah. It's not suffering, but yes. <laughs> yeah, well, in it, most a little cases, bit. it is in the sense. Um, <laughs> there is a fine line, though. Fine line between suffering and empowerment. Right. Suffering where you are beyond the point of where you cannot bond with your baby after, that's always a thing. Right. But when you're at the point of, like, where you are just in that intense moment and you are overcoming it, you feel invincible. Oh, my gosh. And everything you in your life, you'll put it like... I had a baby natural at home. There's nothing I can do. Exactly. But I saw your mom and I just thought like, I think she also birthed the new person right. in the same way. She was like in it and saw the vulnerability and also saw the power in it. Right. I think most people would have been like, no, let's go to the hospital. But she didn't say that. Right. <laughs> she right. was like. She was there. She was there. She was there. So I think she kind of came anew from that moment. Yeah, I agree. And I just recently learned that it was actually her first birth that she's ever witnessed. So maybe that was also a contributing factor as to why she was, yeah. But I found that very interesting when I heard that midwife say that you should only give birth with people in the room that you feel super, super comfortable with. Right. Because there are such thing as orgasmic births, Mm -hmm. which have you witnessed that before? It's not so much, say, orgasmic, but euphoric bursts. Mm, interesting. Where they smile through the moment. Wow. And I mean, clearly smiling, baby half out of them, and they're still in smiles. That is amazing. Um, Typically, it's usually second, third time moms. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> um, first time moms, I've seen some where they just really are steady in the course, and they feel that moment. Like, that empowerment moment is very euphoric. It is. Kind yeah. of like in when you're in labor land. Labor land. I love that. Kind of like time doesn't make sense. You're in this place of like your emotions don't make sense. Yeah. You know, what is it? Night or day? Yep. <laughs> um, but it also has that euphoric feeling. It Absolutely. feels like the high adrenaline yes. in your body. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of makes it feel like this is such an amazing moment. And women chase that feeling. Yeah. I mean, clearly have more babies. Yeah, exactly. It's like a high. (laughs) Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the rebozo because that was a huge, huge tool that really helped facilitate my birth. Well, rebozo is a tool that is used in most Central American, South American, or even in lots of parts of Mexico. It is like a shawl, a long piece of fabric that you use to sift your body. I've seen other people use it, and I would like to just say that I'm a little bit more aggressive <laughs> when I use it. And thank God for that, because that's how I got Hunter out. I use it as a very much a tool for tug of war. It's It was tug of war yeah. with us, yeah. Tug of war and using my body as part of it, too, because you have to have a lot of strength to kind of so counteract much. the mom's strength of labor. Like, right. you are so strong in that moment. <laughs> um, but I use it for differently. When the baby's head is kind of, like I said, side, like tilted a little bit, you need to use a lot of force and right. use your contractions. So it is a beneficial tool, but it's also something that needs to be used instinctually. You can't use it at the same moments for everybody because it doesn't always work. Okay. You have to have some type of intuitive nature to know when to employ your tools. Yeah. And I feel like it just comes so naturally to you. It's amazing. 
sometimes people say like, oh, I hear you have magic hands. I'm like, sometimes, you know, you <laughs> like do. Um, it kind of is one of those things like I maybe don't give myself enough credit for it, but it's also because I don't know where it comes from sometimes. I just feel like, okay, let's just do this. Right. And maybe it is an ancestor who tells me like, hey, use this. And that's where my gut instinct goes. But it is one of the best tools that I feel like I pull out of there and we use it and I am Baby so thankful for that. And two, I mean, you were so strong for me. I mean, I can't even imagine how you must have felt physically after after all of the births that you go through. Because for everybody in the room, it's physical, it's emotional, it's mental, it's spiritual, it's all of the things. I typically say that most births, years down the line, I may not remember every aspect, but I feel like there's always a connection somewhere. Right. Yeah, Some births take lots of parts of me emotionally. And it takes, I usually say like, it takes me a a day or two to recover from a birth. And sometimes I feel sore, (laughs) maybe not as sore (laughs) as a mom after birthing, but if I I had to use my strength in it, yeah, I get sore. And I feel like, okay, I can only imagine what the mom feels like, okay, this is how how I feel. Um, But yeah, a lot of parts of me, like mentally, um, it's, not an exhaustion feeling. I don't think that I could be ever exhausted from birth. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, level of vulnerability for me to kind of like give those parts of me like you have to recharge after I feel like yeah and recharge in a way of like okay taking a teaching from every birth yeah what did I learn because I will continue to learn even if I keep doing this another 20 years because every birth is so different yes and even if you have the same circumstances even the same mom has a unique birthing experience with every baby. Right. So kind of the same way. I always feel like I take something from it and I have to just kind of sit with it and just feel like, what did I learn from this moment? What could I have done better? Just reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about placenta health and the benefits of ingesting placenta after baby. Sure. Like I said, when you, your placenta leaves your body, a lot of hormones just kind of skyrocket down. And then when your milk comes in, Typically, hormones just skyrocket up. So it's like a little bit of a roller coaster. What the placenta does, it has a lot of benefits. Part of it is that it eases those hormonal things because it can change brain chemistry. It holds hormones for that. So those baby blues can mm-hmm. be kept at bay from the placenta encapsulation. Interesting. Okay. Even taking them as a smoothie, like just consuming placenta in any form yeah. can help. It helps your prolactin levels. So breast milk can stay at a normal level or even increase it. It's also kind of like an organ. So you have iron in it. And because it's, again, your organ, it absorbs much better. So you feel the energy from that. What's your preferred way of taking it? Do you prefer encapsulating it? like, Or do you prefer doing it in a smoothie and just doing it all? Mm, This is just me. I, I don't think I could ever have consumed my placenta raw. Yeah, I don't think I could have either. Partly is it. I would assume it has a very like coppery taste to it. Yeah. Um, because of yeah. all the blood that's still in it. Right. But I prefer the raw method where you just clean it. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like a part of my process is that I honor the placenta. I don't call it Reiki, but it's giving my energy to it. Yeah. Thanking this organ for facilitating the birth because it housed your baby, the health of it. So I do prayers over it. I hand encapsulate as well because I want the good energy to go back into it. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I try to stay away from using as little things like stainless steel or glass products as much as possible. Right. Because I want your 
organ to be pure as pure as possible. Yeah, you encapsulated mine for me. And I remember you telling me that with a normal placenta, you usually get something like 150 capsules. So the average is 90. Oh, 90. 90 capsules. And then with mine, I was able to produce what, 200 or something? It was a huge placenta. I do remember that of your placenta. Why Why was that? Like, what makes that happen? Typically, the health of the mom. Okay. How well did you eat? I can look at placentas and tell whether the mom is vegan or has animal. um, Interesting. Like, products, like if they eat meat or even just eggs. Really? Yeah, because for some reason, vegan moms, Mm -hmm. their placentas, they're big, but they grow thin. Mm. and large. I normally see them and they, they grow kind of like a glove. Like the hand spreads out yeah. really big, huh. um, but on the thinner side. But moms who eat all kinds of foods and it just lays down a good foundation. Maybe it is partly in the beginning of pregnancy. Okay. Like most moms have nausea. So right. everyone craves those carbs because of nausea. And right. the placenta needs that to thrive carbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, that's the one thing most people don't want to eat, but it's what our body needs to establish a good placenta. Oh, I needed that. Yeah. yeah. 100%. So I think that that's part of it is that you had a very healthy diet. Also, it contributes to the size of the baby. Mm. How, how big of a baby do you need to have a big placenta? That makes sense. Yeah. I recently had a mom who had a big baby, mm-hmm. close to 11 pounds. And wow, her placenta was huge. So it was closer to two pounds. And that's pretty big size of placenta because I think the average is like 14 ounces. Okay. So almost double the size. That is amazing. Bigger than most um, twin placentas that I've seen. Wow. So I was like, wow, this placenta is crazy. That is amazing. It was super healthy. And I think a part of it is that most women worry about the health of the placenta. They concern like, oh, what if I had um, an infection or the baby pooped in there? I don't use any parts of the baby side. I only use the mom side. Oh, okay. So the cord, the membranes that stays, I don't use that. Okay. So it's pretty much all you. Yeah. So that process, is that pretty time consuming to do? So I think the hand encapsulating part is the longest part. It is typically anywhere between 36 hours to 48 hours, like turnaround time. Mm -hmm. But I can hand encapsulate. Sometimes it might take me five or six hours to do that. And again, it's really what I'm feeling in the moment. Like if I took a part of the person's birth, I kind of reflect on the emotions of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like the tears that came with it. And I guess more, I'm a very spiritual person. So I'm like, just kind of thanking my ancestors. Like, thank you for allowing me to be at this birth. But not only that, to just like process this placenta and just give all the good energy for recovery yeah for whatever your needs are you might not need it for recovery but whatever your feelings are that you need for your recovery for birth this is what goes into it oh that's beautiful all right my mill fam as you all know i'm always looking for ways to aid in becoming the most optimal version of myself mentally physically spiritually and emotionally And one of the things I do to support myself in doing this is by taking my vitamins every single day. And I know it can be overwhelming sometimes with all of the supplement brands out there, but one brand that I've been a huge fan of for years now is Wealthy. Two products I absolutely love by them is the Her and the Sweat. And they just recently sent me the Vision Gummies, which I am so excited to try and see the results from. Get it? See the results from the Vision Gummies? 
which I think is so cool that they are pioneering advocacy for vision health because, you know, we're always looking at our screens every day. And it's something that I think a lot of people just put on the back burner and dismiss. But the HER is a great way for women to get their daily dose of biotin, vitamins A, B, C, D, E, calcium, hyaluronic acid, magnesium, and selenium. Just all of the great things that us women need and are probably lacking and it's all in one. And then the sweat is something I like to take before a workout to just help enhance my burn with the natural caffeine. And there's also dandelion root in there to help with my metabolism and digestion. The quality of these supplements are just next level. And I'm telling you, you have to go check them out. If you use the code MILFBOD, you get 25% off your first order when you go check out at imwealthy.com. That's code MILFBOD, M-I-L-F-B-O-D at checkout at imwealthy, I-M-W-E-L-L-T-H-Y.com to get 25% off your first order. Enjoy, everybody. So in your ancestral line, there are a lot of healers, right? There's yes. some shamans. What is your dad? Is he considered? So my dad doesn't like the title of shaman for some reason, okay. which is understandable. He's an elder. My dad has always been a person who has worked with the youth specifically. I grew up in a house where he helped build this place called Covenant House. It's in Hollywood. And it's okay. for runaway teens. Wow. Um, and That's so incredible. he used to work with teens who are runaways or in the juvenile process system, mm-hmm. take them camping and help with them in healing. Oh, wow. And he's always done some form of therapies in life. Like he's not a therapist, but his saying that is his walks of life have brought him about with this just energy to help heal people. Wow. So he is technically, yes, a shaman. That's so cool. <laughs> he employs different things than from him, actually, I learned a lot. Even for my mom being a midwife, I learned about how to honor my menstrual cycle through my dad. Interesting. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So we practically lived in the mountains. Mm-hmm. So we would go camping. And the first time I got my period or my moon time mm-hmm. was give it back to the earth. Let's honor you in this way of doing a circle. So on a full moon, it happened mm-hmm. to be. We were doing a full moon ceremony and I just, you know, he's like, just kind of give the blood back into the earth. At the age, I was like, huh, dad, this kind of seems a little weird. (laughs) But I'm thankful for it because it's always a memory that's going to stay stuck in my mind forever about how to honor that cycle. And then going on to learn that I've had a rough history in having pregnancies and babies. So now it resonates so much for me. Like, I'm so thankful that that menstrual cycle was the pivoting point of knowing that someday I will be able to have babies. Right. And I'm thankful for all the pregnancies that I've had and even with my living daughter. Right. But I remember that moment of like, okay, I'm giving it back to the earth and then I will, you know, receive. honor it. I will receive yeah. from it. And I've gone back to that same place over years. Wow. Where is it? It's actually in Altadena. Oh, okay. Yeah. It is my most favorite place to go hiking. And I tell people all the time, like, this place is magical. Yeah. Um, It's called Millard Campground. Okay. It's in Altadena. And it's 
the first place I believed in magic. Oh, I love this. And places where my dad did ceremonies. We mm-hmm. did full moon ceremonies, the solstice there. Wow. So every change of solstice, we would go, we would do ceremonies. And I mean, I feel like that is a place where we are more native. Yes, absolutely. What do ceremonies look like for you? So it is kind of like a blessing in a way of using traditional native. My dad, he, I guess he has a conch. And basically we give thanks to all the directions of the earth, like north, west, south, east, heaven, earth. Yeah. We build fires and we give back into the ground. So grounding ceremonies and Mm. then just like what we need, like petition the ancestors for our needs and give thanks for everything, like the abundance, even just having life. Wow. That is the things that we are. But typically we go in for thanking for the full moon and the energy that it gives. He's done ceremonies like where he's married people under the waterfall. Oh my gosh. So like I've been able to be a part of culture that is a way that I didn't realize it when I was a teenager that how much it impacts me now as an adult. Definitely. And I've always been kind of more of a private person when it comes to like those religious, spiritual ceremonies that I've done. But Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like, okay, well, it is okay to pay homage to it because it is part of me. And it's definitely something that I carry with me into births or anything I do in life. Yeah. I'm sure that it contributes a lot to your success and just who you are as a person. It sounds so magical and so beautiful. It's partly, um, I had cancer as a child. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Talk to me about that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I was five and I had a cancer that was, I think, worldwide was only like 500 cases or maybe just in the U.S. Wow. So it was not known in that the survival rate at the time when I had it was 2%. Oh, my gosh. So it is one of those things that I feel like the spiritual side of my dad has always come part of it, like why I thrive. Absolutely. And I can vaguely remember some things and some things are just so like painted in my heart and my brain that I can't forget. Right. But I do remember one of them being like telling him that, you know, she might not have much chance of living. And he's like, you don't know my daughter. She wants to live. She's (laughs) a happy kid. There's just no way. And literally pushing me to like, I mean, I attribute a lot of him because I remember just sitting in the children's hospital mm-hmm. and not wanting to do anything because of the tiredness of chemo and radiation. Yeah. And he's like, you have to move your body. You have to move your body. So I remember he forced me to walk like half a block. And in the moment, I probably cussed him out as a <laughs> five-year-old because he was stupid daddy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when I came back, I was like exhausted, but I was exhausted of being there and I needed that push. Yeah. So I feel like that push is also like kind of like that sensation of where the body doesn't thrive being stagnant. It's kind of like the same sensation I feel like in birth. The body doesn't thrive being stagnant. We need to move around. We need to move your baby around, move that internal body inside of you. So I've used all of those life lessons Wow. in a part of what I do in birth work because the feelings, the feelings of being in this middle plane of, are you in this realm or are you in another? And how can we use that? Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can't even imagine what you've been through and what you've experienced. So what did the process look like of kind of your healing journey? I was five and a half, I believe. Mm -hmm. 
And I did chemo and radiation for a year. I think I was three months at Children's Hospital. Okay. Maybe a little bit less. But um, I remember going there frequently for treatments. Mm-hmm. They removed one of my kidneys. So I have one kidney. Oh, my um, gosh. And I think as a child, what I do remember is like, I love to be outdoors. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want to go out. I want to go this. And, you know, when you don't have much of an immune system, you're not allowed to do anything. Right. So I think that that's one of the things I remember of like the challenges of being at that age is that you cannot normalize your life as right. fast. And part of what I like about birth work is that it's been so normalized in my life that I talk about it like going to a grocery store. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's one of those things like of the healing. So like I want hard things in my life kind of to be normalized because mm-hmm. if I normalize them, it makes me feel like this is something that is not so hard. Right. And everybody goes through these tough times. I yeah. mean, not necessarily cancer, but it makes you so much stronger and you're able to pull from those experiences. It- It helps me have more gratitude for a lot of things. I'm sure. And most people have challenging parts in their lives and it makes me appreciate the value and hard work. And and I apply this a lot to midwifery. The midwifery journey has been a very long one for me. Mm -hmm. And I've actually seen a lot of people get licensed before me and become midwives. But I valued the hard work that I put in to get me to this point. Um, Because I'm on the cusp of graduating and being a licensed midwife and yeah I think about every moment and all the births that I've done because I can probably glimpse back and take a look back and think like yeah I remember all of these women and all the power that they had but it is the reason why it took me so long because I feel like I don't appreciate things unless I work really hard for them yes and a part of that is because I wouldn't appreciate life if I didn't have a hard time exactly in my formative youth Yeah, it's almost like a catch-22. You have to have those dark moments in your life and those hard times to appreciate the beautiful, amazing moments. Right. And it it sounds like you give your dad a lot of credit to— I do. I give both of my parents. But my dad is like, we don't talk every day, but when we do, we're like old friends. Yeah. A lot of the wisdom that I carry and even the last conversation I had with him, he's like, you have grown so much— he mailed me a book mm-hmm. and in the book he, he wrote it in Spanish, but he says that he sees the visions of me being a grandmother midwife and wow, the many babies that I'll help bring Earthside. And he said, it's just a beautiful vision to have. Yeah. And it's a vision that he's had for me. And that I kind of like, I would love to be doing this when I'm like in my seventies or eighties or maybe even older than that. Yeah. You can tell that you are so passionate about it. I probably try to take a step away from birth work a mm-hmm. few times, partly because I'm like, do I want to be on call? It was before I had a baby. Right. So even then I was like, okay, but now that I, you know, I have Samaya and it like brings down memories from when I was her age and watching my mom go to birth. Right. So yeah. it's again, a normalization of like these things happen. Yeah. And, and it's kind of brought it full circle too. It has. That's beautiful. So yeah. Tell me a little bit about your motherhood journey. And what that's looked like for you. Because I didn't realize, you know, some of the difficulties that you faced. Samaria's so my fifth pregnancy. Oh, wow. Yeah, and my only living baby. So wow. part of my childhood, the cancer treatment, it turned out that the treatment that they gave me was so aggressive that it was supposed to cause infertility. They told my mom that giving her this, she will likely not have children ever. So she's basically a miracle baby. She is a very much a miracle baby. But the other pregnancies, I mean, when I was too young to realize like, okay, great, I'm pregnant, but I had a miscarriage. And I was like, okay, 
I wasn't ready at that time. Mm-hmm. And then the few after my second pregnancy, I miscarried like just into the second trimester. Mm. And then my third, I went into labor at 22 weeks. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Again, it was a blessing in disguise. I didn't even know I was pregnant until I was 16 weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Wow. I went in to go get a pap smear. <laughs> and I was like, I want to get my periods a little bit normal. Maybe I should try something <laughs> more medical. Like, clearly what I'm doing, it's not working. Right. <laughs> um, of course, before you, when you do pap smear at the clinic that I went to, they're like, oh, do pregnancy tests first. And I was like, well, I could tell you with certainty I am not pregnant. Mm. I'm a birth worker. I would know. <laughs> I would know. And the, the lady comes back into my the room where I'm waiting. She's like, so congratulations, you're pregnant. It looks like you're like 20 weeks. I was like, no way. You're in the wrong room. Yeah, <laughs> so you I got that wrong. <laughs> and they started laughing. I was like, you're in the wrong room. So she's like, no. So she goes against the doctor. And the doctor comes and she's like, you know, you're pregnant. I was like, there's just no way. And she's like, well, you're probably about 20 weeks pregnant. I was like, I said, well, if I'm pregnant, you could hear a heartbeat. Let's try to listen for that. If there's no heartbeat, I can tell you we're not pregnant. I heard a heartbeat and I was like shocked. Wow. And the most shocked I've ever been in life. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. (laughs) In the moment that I found out I was pregnant, I was like, holy crap, I'm pregnant. And just like, what have I been doing? Because like, I just cleaned a room full of bleach and I was like, what have I done to my baby? And I was freaking out. (laughs) Yeah. You start thinking about all the things. Oh yeah. I was like, well, maybe that shot of tequila was a good idea. I was going to say. (laughs) So I remember going home and thinking like, wow, I'm pregnant. And it took a while to sit in. I cried the whole way home because I just couldn't believe it. Right. And that was when I started feeling I wanted to be a mom. Right. I wanted to have my own baby. And then, like, again, fears just start to set in because, like, if you didn't know, what can happen? So I was like, we need genetic testing. I need to do all the things. And then when we found out I was having a girl, I was like, okay, she's healthy and everything seemed normal. But 22 weeks when I hit that moment, one day I just went into labor. And I had no idea I was in labor either. What did it feel like? I felt very constipated. Oh, (laughs) okay. I thought I had a stomach bug. And I was like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. And I was in my mom's house. And my sister was there and she's like, why are you crying? And I was like, I need to poop so bad. It just hurts so much. Nothing is coming out. Yeah. And I then had the need to get undressed. So she called my mom. She's like, oh, you know, Joanna's being very weird right now. She's like (laughs) crying. She's getting naked. She's like, she's trying to poop. And so... I was like, maybe if I get in the shower, this might relax my body. Mm-hmm. I got in the shower and it was the worst idea I've ever had in my life. I was like, why does it hurt so much more? Oh, no. I went back to the toilet. My mom tells my sister, tell your sister to put clothes on and take her to the hospital. She's in labor. Oh. And I heard her on speakerphone. And when I heard that moment, I was like, oh, shit, I'm in labor. And then mm. it didn't feel like pooping anymore. It felt like contractions every two minutes. Oh. And I did, and I had been telling women what to expect for labor for years. Right. And but I, until you experience it yourself, you don't, you don't, really you don't know. know. You don't know until you're on the other side. Yeah. So labor happened and I, she rushed me to the hospital and I told her to take me to a hospital where I thought I would have received better care. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't. I got there. I was crying because I was really pushing. And then they wanted me to sit in a wheelchair and I was like, this is why people don't go to the hospital to have babies because there is no 
yeah. compassion. Yeah. There's no compassion. And so I got there and the doctor looked at me and the look on his face was like, you probably have like five kids at home. Don't worry. And like, so I got very dismissed and Ugh. he checks me and he's like, oh, well, you're 10 centimeters. Push your baby out. And I was like, no. And then after I had a contraction while he was checking me, I was like, just take your fucking hand out of me and I'll do whatever. And my water broke while his hand was inside of me. And I was like, oh, so like I wasn't in pain anymore. I wasn't or intensity. I was right. sad. Yeah. So sad. And then I was like, can you do an ultrasound? Can you give me magnesium? And he's like, in that moment, I'm asking him to do all these things. Mm -hmm. After he dismissed, like, even the thought to listen to the baby or anything like that. My mom and my midwife, the midwife who delivered me, came into the room. And so I'm asking him these questions. And he's like, how do you know to ask that? And then... (laughs) My midwife, like Tanya. They don't want you to know. No, they don't want you to know. But she's like, goes and tells him, this is a very much wanted pregnancy. I'm her midwife. Her mom's a midwife and she is a midwife as well. And so you need to do whatever you can to save this pregnancy. It's like the guilt on his face was just the feeling of like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. Yeah. Because these people actually know what they're talking about. Not only that, so he stopped talking to us and he started talking to my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Just basically said, if she's upset about this, you know, she could see me postpartum, but next time she needs to be seen for a circlage. And then was the end of the conversation. Oh my gosh. And in that labor experience, my mom stayed with me and they told me I should probably get an epidural because it was an emotional place. And I was like, I don't want to feel anything. I just wanted to be numb. Right. So when it came time, I asked if I could speak to neonatology and to see if there's a chance that if she was big enough, would they do anything? And they said, well, in this circumstance, probably not. So they shut down the lights in the room and said, maybe you should try to sleep. I'm like, I don't want to sleep. I just want to get over this. Mm-hmm. And my mom stayed with me and I told her, I was like, I really need a push. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go get the nurse. And she told them that I was pushing and they're like, okay, we'll be there. And when they didn't come back in, my mom delivered my baby, caught my baby coming out. Wow. So it was one of those things like, where's the team who's going to help? Oh. And nothing happened. So I held my baby for hours. Mm. And that is totally why I wanted my mom to have a healing experience when I had my daughter. Absolutely. Yeah. Because that's a very traumatic experience. It is. It's one of those things like where... It also makes you more passionate. Right. In the way of the birth experience. So me feeling that experience gave me more drive. Gives me more drive every day. Why yeah. you need to write support people to, right. to go with you to the hospital and just kind of advocate for you. Yes. The things that you don't know. I'm a person with birth experience and that happened to me. Oh. So it was one of those things that it changed my life forever. I'm grateful for that pregnancy. That baby, she wasn't meant to be here. Right. She meant to came to teach me a lesson. I'm always grateful for her. That's such a great perspective to have. It took years to get there. I'm sure. <laughs> it took sure. years. It took a lot of processing. It did. It took years. And now I'm, in a way, like, I honor her spirit. And 
my daughter speaks about like, oh, I have a sister. And I was like, do you? Oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps. So like she knows there's always someone there watching her. Wow. And so I feel like I needed that moment where you become a birth worker, passionate for birth work, but also become fierce as a mother. Yes. To be passionate for other people who don't know. Yeah. And that experience will, again, it's etched in my heart where I will never forget it. Even well, yeah. I think what she would have been 15 by now. Wow. And I still think about it. But then it helped me with my next pregnancy. I had a miscarriage after that. But my daughter's pregnancy, it was the first one that I knew that I was pregnant right away. It was, Interesting. I found out when I was three weeks uh-huh. pregnant. How did you know? You just... I started noticing symptoms. Mm-hmm. The sense of smell was horrible. And then I had really bad heartburn for weeks. Mm. And I was like, what is this? What yeah. is this? And so I'm cleaning up my house one day. I'm like, you know, I should probably pee on a stick. Maybe these phantom pregnancy symptoms will go away. <laughs> um, I go and pee on a stick. And I then start cleaning up my house. And I was like, oh, I should go throw away that pregnancy test before my husband comes home and sees it and thinks I'm crazy. Oh, my gosh. I go back. I was like, oh, that's positive. <gasps> oh. <laughs> so I don't believe my eyes. Yeah. I'm like, this is probably just one of those tests that sat too long. Yeah. A false positive. False positive. <laughs> so, so I test again. And then I forget about it. But it's like only five minutes that I've forgotten about it. So I was like, okay. It's positive. I was like, holy crap. And then I go out and I buy Six more <laughs> because I still don't believe it. Right. And then I send a message to a few friends and I was like, um, line eyes or is that a positive? And then it looks like a positive. Oh my God. So then I wait for my husband to get home, show him these many tests. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what is that? And I was like, I think I'm pregnant. I think it means I'm pregnant. And he's like, he's like, don't you know, you should know. Right. And I was like, I should, but I don't. And right, like you I, couldn't believe it. I was a mom in that moment. Yeah. Like I'm a mom in that moment. It's oh. hard to differentiate sometimes, like between a mom and a midwife. But I was in my mom brain. Mm-hmm. I was a mom, and the happiness and hopefulness of having a baby was just alive. But in the moment, I took the probably third pregnancy test, and I was like, "This is definitely a genuinely positive test." Yeah, I knew I was having a girl. It's a girl. Wow. And so. My pregnancy journey for her was just kind of a little bit different. I was like, okay, cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. But um, literally, when I found out she was a girl, we did genetic testing early on. And I was like, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. We knew her name right away, too. I love her name, by Thank the way. You. Thank you to my husband. He's the one who named her. It's Samaya. Samaya. Yeah. And then a dream. Yeah, a dream. I love that. So it was one of those things we wanted a unique name. He liked the name Soraya, but I was like, I only wanted if we could spell it with an X. Like, mm-hmm. that's the only way we could do it. Yeah. It's like, no. So I was like, okay. So then he changed the letter and he said Somaya. And I was like, I love this. That's beautiful. I said it maybe about 20 times. And then he said middle name. He picked it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is her. Yeah. This is her. Wow. And so um, I told my family and they're like, why that name? Like, because it's her name. That was just her name. So like after yeah. saying it. And when she was born, I was like, this is truly meant her name. Later, I found out that it's in Sanskrit. It means to be blessed. Oh. So it's a version of that Samaya in that name. Wow. Yeah. So meant to be. That journey, I mean, it took me through 
pregnancy. I was on the other side. I labored. <sighs> that is incredible, Johanna. You have been through so much. Thank you. I mean, it is, again, part of our human process to experience these things and how we take them right. and come across um, some more emotional than others, right. some very happy. I mean, I'm very thankful for for it all. Yeah, I think that I needed um, every experience. I wasn't ready in some of those other times, but the relationship I have now being a mom and an acceptance of my previous pregnancies definitely molds the appreciation, the gratitude I'm sure it is to be this. And I have my whiny moments, you know, like, <laughs> of course, uh, I have a yeah. four year old. Um, <laughs> but even then, like every night I look at her and I trace her face with my fingers when I can. But it really it does make me very grateful for every journey. And then I'm also grateful for every mom who gets experience this. Yeah. Gets to experience um, their rainbow baby, who gets to experience the birth of their baby. Mm-hmm. And even just the women who are, you know, just even thinking about having a baby, like then when they're in that process, like when the thought is like, okay, we're maybe going to go on this journey or even calling their baby down from the stars. Yeah. Actually, Abby says that and I love it. Oh, Call I your lo- baby from the stars. I love that. That's beautiful. It's really one of those things like accepting this little spirit into your life. And yeah, it's part of like any journey that I really enjoyed. Wow. You're such a warrior. It explains so much because, you know, I hadn't really gotten the chance to get to know you on on a personal level just because everything was so quick and happened so fast. And I decided so last minute to do a home birth, but I'm just so thankful. I am so happy that you chose to have home birth. Yes, me too. I think a part of it is that once you've experienced what prenatal care was like in the OB um, setting, And how personal it became. Yes, it's a completely different world. I mean, the moment that I met Abby and you, my decision just became so concrete. I was like, oh, there's absolutely no way I'm giving birth in that hospital. Right, right. (laughs) And I think a part of like the comfort of your home. Yes. And for anyone, like who wants to get in the car when you're having contractions? Exactly. Or put your brand new baby in the car seat. I understand that there's, that is not the choice for everyone. Right. But um, it's also like because I've done so many like home births, I'm like, yes. I always feel that there's a place for everyone. And I'm glad that you had your journey there. Yes, me too. And I'm so glad that you were part of it. So to wrap things up, I always touch on the acronym mm-hmm. MILF. What do you <laughs> do to stay mindful? I think I try to do more like grounding. Like literal grounding, putting your feet to the ground. Ground, yes. Um, definitely I'm a person who likes to walk barefoot because I need to be grounded. Yeah. But I also like try to set an intention for the day of like, okay, this is where I want to work on myself and be present. Yeah. I feel like I've kind of put that on the back burner ever since Hunter's been born because as you know, you have a four-year-old. Yeah. So, But to implement that into your daily routine, I feel like is so, so crucial, mm-hmm. especially in the line of work that you do because you're giving so much to everybody else all the time that I'm sure that it's important to have those moments that you have to give back to yourself. That's why I like to wake up early because yeah. it's like the only time that's calm before everyone wakes up in the yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. My husband actually, he goes to work pretty early. So sometimes when he wakes up and Samaya's still asleep, that's like my 30 minute window of like, okay, I'm going to drink my cup of coffee or my cup of tea and setting your intentions for the day. Um, And definitely be barefoot. Yeah. That's how I was raised. Yep. 
I would bury my shoes in the sand as a child. Yeah. <laughs> Don't wear them. Yeah. It's so good for you. I always let Hunter run around barefoot as much as possible. Yeah. How do you listen to your intuition? I guess I want to say like whenever I'm in a moment mm-hmm. of like where I need to be guided, I take a pause. Yeah. Take a breath. And if it sits on my heart, it sits on my heart and that's how I follow it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I feel like your whole life has been led by your intuition and just you're such an innately intuitive person, you know, with the line of work that you do. And just like, I feel like you're very good at just listening to it, too. Mm-hmm. Those brief pauses that I can take for, especially in birth work, to follow the intuition is like, you only have a millisecond to decide. Yeah, that's true. But it's again, like those magnets. It's a, a magnet that gives you a pool yeah. and says, go. Yeah. Having that visualization of having a magnet. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. What are some of your lifestyle non-negotiables? So I do a lot of prayer yeah. and spiritual guidance for my ancestors. I light daily candles. Oh, I, that's beautiful. I sage my home oh. every day. It just without fail, even if I'm gone for 36 hours, the second I get home, this happens. And part of it is because it has to cleanse my energy. You pick up so much off the streets. Big part of it is also because we are in a lifestyle of social media. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not directly talking to a person, but those sets of eyes that you open up into your world, you need a cleansing. So I do that every day. Wow. Without fail. That's amazing. What's your fitness routine? Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't really have a fitness routine as much. Because you're so busy. I mean, you, yeah. I actually used to work out a lot and I love working out. Part of it is I had lived with a fitness trainer mm-hmm. as, a, as her nanny when I took a break from midwifery. And I ran every day. I mean, wow. literally it was wake up at 5 a.m. and run. I think at some point I would run a six minute mile. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's one of those things I love to do, but because running, the world stops. Yeah, that's very true. That's why they say people get a runner's high. Yeah, and part of it is also, too, that it's the moment where time doesn't make sense because six minutes doesn't feel like six minutes when you're running. No. And so, like, it makes you escape that illusion of time. Like, how much time are you doing this? But I used to do one hour every day, but again... I think my fitness routine is mostly like doing work. Doing birth physical, work. Birth work is yeah. like. It's such physical work. It is. Yeah. I mean, hip squeezing. Is oh my gosh. Definitely have to be strong for that. And yeah. part of it is also standing. But a lot of the birth work is where I probably keep my fitness because I have to do a lot of holding. Right. Spiritual holding. Um, <laughs> holding space, but also physical. Yeah. So that is partly where it is. But I think if I could have a fitness routine where I dedicated, I would go back to just running because I love it. That's great. I know I used to love it and now I've just started walking and now walking is kind of like my form of physical meditation, I call it. And I love it. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like time kind of doesn't exist because you're just so in the present moment and Mm -hmm. you're taking things in and looking around and yeah, I love it so much. Okay, one last question that I ask everyone at the end of every episode is if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self? I would tell myself, trust your instincts. Trust them and go with them. I wouldn't change anything from my life. Mm -hmm. I would live every experience over and over again to have the same outcome. Wow. There's nothing that I would change of it. But I think that trusting my instincts would have maybe 
allowed me to be more comfortable with myself. Yeah. And more certain because I have a high degree of certainty in certain things in my life, which is like midwifery and birth work. Mm -hmm. I'm always very certain of those things. Like when I make choices, but when it comes to me and like being open of anything that I do in life, like spirituality and talking, I would trust my instincts more. It's okay. Yes. It's okay to do this. And I think that's part of it. Like even doing this right now is helping me be that person like trust that this is okay right yeah I know that's a constant learning process for me too is just trusting in yourself and I think just as we age and at least for me the older I get the easier it becomes yeah and the more sure of myself I become but it's hard to do that when you're younger because you know you have all of these outside influences and you're questioning yourself (laughs) and wondering well (laughs) I think I started living a life um Pretty early on. Yeah. I was very independent at 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, first jobs. And yep. um, I wasn't very much person for school, but I would have told myself, trust the willingness to be open. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think everybody can take away from that too. Yeah. When you're using those trust instincts, trust who you can be vulnerable to. Like we pull in the people we need. Yes. I think vulnerability is so beautiful. And so that's why, I mean, I'm just so thankful that you opened up and shared your oh, story. Thank you. I didn't mean to cry. Then. No, <laughs> that that to me just, I mean, it's so special that you were able to even get to a place that you, you know, got emotional. I think yeah. that that's so beautiful and so important and it helps a lot of people out there. So yeah, yeah I appreciate you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you for inviting me. So where can everyone find you? Instagram at Birth Whisperer. Yeah. And if people want to work with you, can they just DM you? DMing me is probably the easiest way. Okay, perfect. And I'm sure your schedule is probably pretty busy right now. You know, it's so funny is that I don't know that I'm so busy as I would have thought that I am. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything aligns as well. Like, I mean, if we're meant to be, we're meant to be. Yes. Yeah, I feel like I don't promise anything but if I'm meant to be at your side or in any way or facilitating I will be there I will show up that is one of the things I will show up for for you if you call me yeah I know that for sure you are (laughs) very committed and dedicated to this work and anybody in the LA area looking for midwifery care or doula doula for sure um if you want to work with me message me or um very soon I will be accepting home birth clients. Yay. That's yeah. so exciting. Okay, my love. Well, thank you no, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you for the, <laughs> the opportunity. I mean, just to even be in your space. Yeah. This is also, again, like, the willingness to be open. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you gained some insight on how to practice becoming more mindful, learn the importance of listening to your intuition, gain some lifestyle takeaways and fitness tips. You can find me on Instagram at Cherokee Luker and the podcast at MILFBODPOD. So make sure you follow me to access exclusive content to help you become a better you, a better mother, and a better human. Talk to you guys next week about all things MILF.